I'm Will Hanson and welcome to the Experts in the Room podcast brought to you by Extreme Push. In this series, we chat to some of the leading minds working in the customer experience, retention and data space in some of the most competitive and fastest growing industries in the world. In this episode, the full experience, I spoke with CEO of Shape Games, Morton Tonneson. Morton is one of the most experienced executives in the sports betting and gaming industry, former PokerStars Director of Marketing, having led the widely successful operator business Bet Warrior, and then moved into the B2B world of Shape Games. He's done it all. We touch on the wider industry opportunities and challenges, and the innovation, product, and services that will set operators up for success in 2023. If you have any passing interest in the sports betting and gaming industry, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Experts in the Room. Today, I've got one of uh, the best in the business as far as iGaming goes, uh, Morton Tonneson, COO of Shape Games. Um, I'd list off all of your experience, Morton, but we'd be here for probably 15, 20 minutes just doing that. Um, but really happy to have you on the podcast today. Um, we've got some great topics to cover. Um, so you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. And uh, thank you for the flattering. <laughs> <laughs> well, we only get the best um, and the brightest experts in here. So um, I've seen you uh, talk um, a few times before, so I am excited to kind of dig into it and talk about Shape um, and what you're doing in the industry and, and, and what you're seeing. Um, it'd be great to maybe just get a little bit of an overview, Morton, of your background. Um, like you've had a, a varied background working on both the operator side and the supply side within iGaming. Um, so maybe if we could just get a brief intro from you um, as to how you started in the industry um, and, and where your career has kind of gone, that would be a nice way to set up for today. Yeah, let me let me start uh, so way back when I'm, I, feel, I used to be the youngest man in the room. Now I, I seem to always be one of the older guys, but that's the uh, nature of the beast. No, so I was in uh, management consulting for many years after finishing uh, uh, business school. And uh, part of that was <clears throat> in the early days of, of big data, which of course is something that uh, Extreme Push uh, looks into and, and this industry keeps uh, striving towards. And uh, I, I heard of PokerStars and was introduced and they had issues on the CRM side. So I came on board to run CRM for PokerStars. To cut a long story short, when I joined PokerStars, it was a downloadable desktop app where you played poker with no mobile, no yeah. casino, no whatever. Not even you couldn't even play on web. You had to download the app <clears throat> on your on your desktop. So fast forward seven years, I started with a team of five people. I I finished there uh, with a team of four hundred plus people and budgets of a hundred and sixty million dollar marketing and had taken what was a, a basic setup for CRM and, and basic from a technology standpoint and rolled out mobile, casino, sports book. Um, when we launched mobile, for example, there was no no cashier in the app and many other interesting stories, which would, <laughs> today would be ludicrous to consider. Uh, yeah, un uh, unforgivable. <laughs> yes, indeed. But people still just signed up and went and downloaded desktop app and deposited and everything else. So had a great experience rolling out across many markets, launching many. It was during the licensing period in Europe, mainly, uh, where you saw France, Spain, yeah. Italy, and so on go go live in that period. And then uh, uh, PokerStars was sold, uh, 4.8 billion. Mark and I made a lot of money. And then um, uh, yeah. it became a bit corporate for me in the end and, and wanted to try something different. I popped out and um, I met, uh, actually met Shape, which wasn't Shape Games at the time. And they had built a product for Danske Spiel, 
out of the which is the the state-owned monopoly or former state-owned yeah. monopoly in Denmark before deregulation. And uh, I saw what they'd done and and found it interesting and uh, decided to go out and see if I could find some money and, and launch B2C on the back end of that, which became and still is Bed Warrior. So I spent time building Bed Warrior from the beginning, uh, uh, defining the name and everything else, and taking that to markets. Uh, it was very early on this ice this year. Everyone talked about Latin America, and uh, we launched yeah. uh, based on that. We launched. Uh, with the aim of Brazil and everything else uh, back then. Uh, and now, of course, the Bread Warrior has been regulated in Argentina and has grown from strength to strength and, and have some very, very strong numbers. Then I saw that, how do you say, B2C in Latin America would take time because, as we know, in, in that part of the world, things don't necessarily go as quickly as structured as we wanted to. And then yeah. I had seen the opportunity in the U.S. with the platform and... Uh, and I decided to say to the guys that invest in Bed Warrior, why don't you either we do B two B, and they were more keen on doing business for themselves than business for others. So uh, I said, why don't you buy me out? And I made an agreement with the the Shape guys to create Shape Games, and then go to market with that. And the the next client we signed was was Bed Jack in Ohio, which went live in 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 January, which is a joint client between Shape Games and Extreme Push the, and Candy. The, the- there's there's the there's the plug for extreme push. I like that yeah, early exactly. in, the, in the podcast. But yeah, yeah. No, that, that's a great show and shared client there. But yeah, and then obviously can be involved there as well. Yeah, yeah, and and then for the past couple of years we built that, which happened very quickly in many ways. It was very clear that how should I say we came with an expect uh, with a perspective of the, of the app side, which no one had really and still hasn't other than us productized in a way that you ensure that yeah. you can go to market with a quality product that's fully natively built. And then that's what we're still seeing a strong demand for. And uh, on top of that, uh, we also have built out other services, which is sort of complementary between the space, which is something I'm sure we'll come back into in terms of capturing data, uh, reporting yeah. on data and actioning on data, which many of the bigger operators and operators in general has a, has a challenge with but, uh, but yeah, that's me. And now I'm sitting here. We then, back in the last year, which is uh, less than six months ago, then sold Shape Games to, to Camby. So now we are part of the, the, the Camby group with ABS, uh, which is eSports, and then yeah. Camby with a strong sports book. So, so that's, that's me. Slaving so away on that. Sla- slaving away. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, slaving I, away with two, two good exits, I'm sure. So <laughs> that's yeah. excellent. Um, I, I think it's really interesting that your the the breadth of your experience on on sitting on both the operator side and obviously the big side with guys like PokerStars and that that story about how you've grown that you grew that team up to four fifty and and the budgets like I can still remember being I think a probably sixteen year old downloading that that web that web browser app onto my computer at home and and playing on PokerStars so it's mad that would have been back in Brisbane and I know exactly the experience and I'm sure there's plenty of people my age um, that would have had their first foray into into poker when it was becoming prime time at that at that period. So yeah, anyway, I, I, just as an aside. Um, so I, th- I think that's a great example of, of spotting a gap in the market and then moving into B2B um, with shape and the whole, the whole piece about, you know, making sure that you got functional products like the apps that are ready to go to market, I think is so important. You can see the operators that either win or lose um, based on that um, from purely from a customer experience perspective. Um, I'd love to hear about how 
you you think kind of the the changing nature of those products and and what people are offering um, is important. I know I've heard you speak before about the kind of trap that brands are getting into being too transactional um, and not looking at customer experience. And that comes from having a good product, um, but also being able to kind of action your data. Um, so it'd be cool to get your opinions on that, Morton, um, and what's kind of coming for iGaming uh, in the future. Yeah, no, for, for me, it's it's been the early days of sports betting and, and also casino. Uh, generally, right now, the world seems to be very focused on sports betting, or at least has been. Yeah. Now there's a bit more iGaming based on the U.S. boom that, that happened over the last few years. But but generally, the taking the, the, the initial products of Skybet, Bet365, uh, Bet and so on, it was and is fairly transactional, right? You go in, you uh, you look a bit around, you place a bet, and you leave the product. And then that was about it. Now, of course, yeah. over this journey, streaming has come along. But streaming, it's difficult from a right standpoint. You Very few of the operators can actually stream the Champions League final at the time of the Champions League final, right? So yeah. it's more peripheral content that, that's streamable. But what we basically say and, and how I see it, which is super important, I believe, is that we as operators in the space uh, generally compete for share of time. We don't only compete against other betting companies, right? We compete against uh, yeah. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Netflix. The list is is longer than we can spend the next 40 minutes talking about, right? <laughs> so how do as an operator with a transactional product get to ensure that they get more share of time? Because in general, get you get more share of time, you get more share of wallet, right? So the way we have looked at that is saying that uh, you need to have your streaming, you need to have statistics, the, especially in the US market. Sports is a numbers game. People crave yeah. to understand how many touchdowns has this player done, how many yards have he run, so on and so on and so on. Um, and if you don't have that in your product in a good way, then you don't cover things. I think we also, for some of our clients, have started to build in the ability to push news into the product, yeah. i.e. sports news and so on either self-generated, which has uh, on web other opportunities of then building out SEO, but also partnerships that companies that we work with had with ESPN and others to can make sure that's the case of having a more holistic offering within the product. And then on top of that, most companies have not done this, but, but having the ability for the better or the punter to see a bit more about what they do in the product, what are their favorite things to do, what are the records they've done, which from social gaming and other parts and yeah. other verticals have been been very normal, but hasn't really been picked up by our category. And we've also built in, how should I say, a small social network. We saw that, especially in sports betting, but also more and more in, in casino world, iGaming, that bettors love to share things with their friends because that's what the nature of things are today in terms of Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, whatever. And and they would they would screenshot the uh, the bet slip and then share it in a WhatsApp group and whatever. And we said, why not deliver that functionality within the product again to have that little bit more lock-in effect, right? So those are all the areas that, that, that we are seeing are important uh, in order to have a more holistic product that has more of a lock-in effect than, than what we've seen with the historical transactional product. And there are things that we will bring to market and others will bring to market that will enhance that even more. But I think that that trend is, is super important yeah. and, and we're in the middle of it and, and it will continue to progress further. So, Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting topic and, and particularly in and around the changing nature of the demographic for people that are, are betting and being online, right? Like, as you said, in 
in the gaming community, when I talk about the gaming community from from like a computer gaming community, like you see the success of platforms like Discord and stuff, and they're all built around sharing um, and and having leaderboards and, and community-based actions. And yep. you can see that when you're in the apps, you know, you go into Paddy Power's app and it's very transactional. That's all it's doing um, at the moment. You're not really doing it on a, on a, on a share basis. And the US is... It's a prime example of where they're probably doing it a bit better, I think, on that perspective because of because of the background with yep. what they've had. Um, I, I think what also is interesting is the idea around keeping players engaged when they're not betting as well um, and that kind of convergence of media. But also free-to-play, I think, is a really interesting place that's 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 expanding at the moment within the industry um, in, in possibly a good way to keep people engaged, as you say, for share of time. Is that the type of stuff that you guys are looking at shape uh, for shape in the future, or are you you focusing on other areas? Yeah, so good point. So that was probably the last bit that I didn't mention uh, in terms of all the other aspects I mentioned was in relation to the, yeah. the real money product. But uh, yeah. actually, based on my experience from PokerStars, we always offered uh, free to play poker and real money poker side by side yeah. in the in the same product, even the the old download <laughs> yeah, desktop yeah. app and. Um, I've always wondered why no one took that into sports betting or even casino, because in, in most cases that has been either a fantasy setup or a, a different app or a different product with a different yep. login, user ID and so on. And to me, it just makes it more complicated for the user to utilize it. Maybe some have felt maybe it's going to cannibalize my my real money revenue because if people can bet for fun, then maybe they'll spend more time there. And as a consequence, yep. they won't get the share wallet and so on. Now I see it <clears throat> Excuse me, directly opposite that uh, there's so many advantages in having free-to-play in the same product. First and foremost, if you go into a market like US where all states betting has been illegal from a, a digital perspective for as long as uh, anyone can go back and remember in terms yeah. of the generations other than on horse racing, uh, offering a free-to-play product is like a place where people can learn and understand more about what's going on. Then on top of that, for many of the brands that want and has aspiration of launching that are not yet launched and wants to compete with the bigger guys of uh, FanDuel, DraftKings, and, and yeah. MGM and so on. It's a way of launching the entire tech stack prior to the regulation happening in a state. And that makes ensures that the, the product is, is, uh, is stable and working prior to the real money launch. Here, I think about the extreme pushes of the world, the CRM functioning, the, yeah. the marketing setup functioning, your Google SDKs, Facebook SDKs being built in. All the, the myriad of things that are needed in the complex world of operating a, a, a sports betting slash iGaming business, that that's up and running and secured. Because all that I've seen in my experience is that within the first three to four months of a launch, that's where the market shares are distributed within a market. And then if you yeah. want to change that picture, it's super expensive to, to, to change that. So uh, with Jack in Ohio, we've just uh, they launched free-to-play five, six months before Real Money launch. Which happened, and we've had good traction on on seeing them signing up a, a lot of customers now, and and we believe that that's a model to follow. But even in markets where, how should I say, that you are live, I still think it's a good add-on to the product to to utilize to offer to your customers for them to to play around and experiment and and and, and see yeah. things because not everyone has unlimited wallet to spend in a month. And people run out of money. And if they still want to be engaged in the the conversation around sports, in the product, it's good to have it as a as a free to play setup. So so for sure, we see that as 
is something that's even more in demand and, and will grow as, as one of the engagement factors over and above the rest of the things I mentioned. I, I think that's a really nice segue to kind of get into the weeds here um, on a couple of questions that I want to ask you. Like that free-to-pay piece and where you're talking about having it in one environment, so important. We see and work with so many operators that have silos within their business for their data, um, either driven by legacy stacks or or um, teams not being able to get access to things that they need. As 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 Shape, how important is that for you guys to kind of enable brands to be able to access data or how important do you think it is for both retention and CRM teams, but across the business function to kind of have data that's accessible, it's usable in real time that then drives customer experience. Cause I think that's at the center of it. I think we're swimming in, we're swimming in big data, but it needs to be actually driving something that's of value to the player. Yes, exactly. And uh, so we, we build our product as a, as a canvas where we can run a lot of modules on top. So we've yeah. actually been lucky enough to do a lot of the hard work of enabling us to, to lay out the product in, in different ways. Now we're working on how we connect the, the data side with, the, with how laying out the product. Because for me, the, the two key themes that are in the industry right now and, and will, will be over the next few years, other than profitability overall, is key for all the operators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, uh, the but, one. But, but, but then how is that achieved and, and, and how, how is that done? Now, first and foremost, it's uh, to me, the more personal product we can deliver to the end consumer, the better. The expectation of, of what experiences uh, are being delivered in the digital world has increased significantly over the last five yep. to 10 years. And consumers expect a much more personal experience in terms of not having to look for what they normally buy and everything else, as we see from retail and other things. And even if they, they put don't complete a bet, they should be able to be, make sure that the, 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 the odds are updated and so on and so on and so on. So, so yep. across the board, personalization and, and a lot of that is very hard to do if you don't control your data right so we see as i mentioned in previously that many of the the bigger and older operators are the some of the newer that have made less than optimal technology choices partner choices end up in a situation where they either have a hard time getting data collected and making sure that it's correct right because there's nothing worse than I'm not suggesting that no operators in the U.S. don't understand and have, have control over the balance of the player and which bets they've done, enabling them to just play that yeah. in, the, in the product. But then linking that with all the rest of the data and then being able to push out data either to a CRM platform or to the front end and saying, I want to display this to the consumer now, whether it's a pop-up, a banner or whatever, is is sort of besides the point, but but personalizing that experience and ensuring that that, that the information is correct is is something that I believe a lot of companies are struggling with. And 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 we see, as I'm sure you do from Extreme Push and many others that I speak to within the industry, it's a big barrier to getting system live and partners yeah. live and, and everything else, right? And and that's that's a key problem to solve in order to deliver a much more personalized experience for the end consumer. So, so overall, it's 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 important, and we we've done some inroads in that. We deliver a data solution that's not rivaling, not delivering CRM system or whatever, but simply make sure that we can compile and pull yeah. all the data from all aspects in, into one place and make sure that it's right, which uh, should be easy, but it's actually not that easy for many <laughs> operators never to is. do. No, um, it's it's funny. I think in the industry, 
it can be discussed about, but that the industry itself is unique in the sense of the the hurdles and the hoops that need to be jumped through by operators on the D2C side. Like you look at regulations, payments, like there is there is so much more that goes to it than say if you and I wanted to set up a nice t-shirt company and run it on run it on Shopify and be done with it and know what our customers are doing. So I think that that, that often gets um, not neglected, but maybe not talked about enough around how how difficult it is there's a reason that it's difficult not just from a technology standpoint but from a regulation standpoint is that something that you find that operators are kind of tackling in a good way or thinking about or is it kind of it, it, do you think it's overburdensome for, for brands to get working with their data and stuff like that um what's what's your general thoughts on that my experience throughout my now many years in this industry is always that out on the tech side, most of the resources gets sucked into one, launching new markets with new licensing. Yeah. And and number two, continuously needing to update things to comply with licensing regu- uh, in existing markets as a, and across, right? A lot, a lot, a lot of resources gets, gets used on that. And it's hard for the companies in general, big or small, to free up resources to actually deliver genuine innovation that will make a better product, yeah. uh, more fun and engaging experience come with with new things for the for the consumer. And and uh, for me, the solution, especially if you're smaller, is to everyone wants to own their own tech in general terms because shareholder value and if you have tech, then it's better and so on. But for many of the smaller operators, in order to compete with the, 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 with the bigger guys, to me, it's clearly better to, to join an ecosystem where, yeah. of course, you can get you will have some of the challenges as well on the regulatory side and launching markets and everything else. But if, if, if there's ability to pool resources with other operators that are not directly conflicting against you, then your innovation pipeline should grow at a lower cost than if you had to take it on yourself. And, and that's some of what we are offering and, and many third parties, uh, B2B yeah. providers are offering. And that's why, at least as a starting point, it's a good way for, for small operators to go to market. Then they can, over time, if they want to in-house stuff, they can fund that via their cash flow or operation of the digital yeah. business instead of taking a big investment up front and, and going to market with something that's, that's less than optimal. So, And I think we're seeing that even some of the bigger guys have bought technology yeah. over the last three or four years and figuring out now, oops, it's actually difficult to run and operate and to get to stitch many different systems together. And some are even looking at, at going back and getting B2P providers because if you have your own tech, you have big fixed cost lines sitting in your yep. PL and maybe your market share didn't grow as much as you had anticipated and therefore profitability is not coming. So I would actually like to move some of that fixed tech stack team onto a revenue share instead and then yeah. uh, hit, hit profitability earlier vis-a-vis owning my own tech. So that's some of the things that, that we are seeing happening in the industry right now, at least from our perspective. Yeah, very very interesting. I think it's it's probably something that's um, maybe not talked about enough as 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 way to do it. And I think there is an onus on on B two B suppliers as well. In where you were talking earlier about the ecosystems being built to be flexible as well to to work with each other, and and the more <coughs> flexibility that you can provide to operators will give you more benefit in the long run. I suspect um, in building solid partnerships as well. Um, no, for sure. I, I, I look at it saying the, the bigger B2B operators, uh, I, my best analogy is the supermarket model, right? Yeah. That, that you, you have a lot of different products on the shelves, but when you enter a supermarket, you, you're not compelled to have to buy everything in, in the shop, right? You can, you can pick and choose. 
and we as Shape Games having grown, we've, we've tried to, to do that. We can either sell you a full solution with apps, web, retail, everything, or we can do an SDK solution where part of our product is put into your app, uh, or we can sell you our data solution or, or whatever. So, so we very much believe that, that that's the way to go. And, and more and more from a flexibility standpoint, from a contractual commercial standpoint, the B2Bs needs to go that way. But then also how the product is delivered that, that ensures that the, the operator can only have to pay for what it is in the end that they, they will utilize of, of the services. And I think in the future that you'll see because of rights issues and everything else that the, the deals where one operator you will, will want to have a, like a monopolistic contract where it's yeah. five years, you can only take this from us and, da, 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 and everything else. Those are, are, are more going to go away with with more flexible terms needed to be provided that because five years has always been a long time but especially in the current environment it's it's <laughs> yeah. like an eon of uh, yeah, of, yeah. Of, of, of time to sign up for so so yeah um i i want to i want to pivot here a little bit because um I, i'd love to pick your brain particularly with your experience um in and around um in and around the player as well because everything that you've talked about here um you know that flexibility all of all of all of the product that gets delivered by that by working with experts um, being able to do it I think it it then comes back to delivering a better player experience to someone that's using your app as an operator um, how do you kind of talk about that maybe even at your pokestar days when you when you're operating or, or as bet warrior how are you conceptualizing that from a marketing perspective on one brand building um, you know looking at cost of acquisition but then making sure that you're working with retention, like what type of strategies would you be giving someone that's entering that space? They've built their tech stack, they've got their partners, um, you know, and they're going after uh, market share and they're going after becoming profitable. Like what's the number one kind of tips that you'd be giving to someone about that player experience that you need to be delivering? Yeah. The, the, first and foremost, you can have great tech across the board, but for some reason, most uh, operators tend to not look at their operations from a consumer standpoint. So what do I mean by that? Yeah. In PokerStars, we introduced a concept that we called on the wall, where we simply took, if we launched a campaign, we would put everything on the wall from each email to the TV ad to whatever, through to the sign-up journey and, and everything else to ensure that things actually work. Because... We tend to have a, a, a perspective where if you get a 404 in certain aspects or you in the sign-up process add things in that are not needed to be there. So it's yeah. for me, it's all about removing friction and delivering that delightful experience of that it's within the limitations of the regulatory setup and everything else, that it's super easy to become a customer. Because in the end, most of our above-the-line marketing is about getting new customers, right? Yeah. So so when, you, when you've sorted that and jumped to the other side of then you have customers, then how do you retain them? How do you get the most value out of them, out of them also in a responsible way in general? That's about understanding their behaviors. And then what many operators have done in the US especially is, is discounting themselves to death, right? That because of the fact that uh, the, the, the industry in general is very transactional, poker is one of the few within the, in the industry that has some lock-in effect, right? Because your product is better, the more consumers you have. In sports betting, it doesn't really matter how many customers you have in terms of, of anything or casino in a similar way. So from my perspective on the CRM side, it's about not only having discounting as the only vehicle for retaining customers uh, overall, 
And that goes from then saying we have everything in our platform like badges, um, the the conversation about the sports, the news, all those aspects is, is part of the ecosystem that makes it just that little bit more challenging for the consumer to take the discount from the other operator and move across. As well as what you guys offer from Extreme Push standpoint or many others in the industry, it's about, I always talk about uh, relevance as being the key part yep. of whenever you talk to your customers more than when, where historically when I was in PokerStars and other places, oh, we send too many emails, uh, the frequency is too high, whatever. I, I don't think you can send too much as long as the the relevance is, is, is there. If you have an avid user that uses your product uh, 10 times a day and he, yep. will, he will want new content and new new things to be in the product. I, I'm sure you have your favorite sports site. You go and check news on and get push notifications from and so on. You don't mind you get things when new things happen, right? Uh, so it's the same here. So, the, so those are the aspects. And then when you do give discount, bonuses, free bets, whatever it might be, let's make sure that it's relevant vis-a-vis -vis what the customer has spent before and what the person has betted on and everything else. All of this, everyone will nod and say correct, but there are still so many companies out there in our industry that are struggling to do these, oh, I call them, you need to deliver brilliant basics to, to consumers. And then on top of that, you build uh, even more delightful experiences. And then you look across holistically and saying, in the end, I believe the ones that will win in the long term in our industry is the one that delivers a good consumer experience overall, including customer service, including easy to, yeah. to pay and, and everything else, because you get that positive network effect of people talking positively about the brand and then, oh, go and do this, uh, place your bets on brand X, Y, or Z, because they have this and this and this and this, and then be in touch with the consumers and understand what the consumers really want is, is key. So. Yeah, I, I, a couple of points in there that I really like. The frictionless piece, like I think that is just that's that's gold dust. Like that is so important. We all know that friction. I, I, I tell an anecdote now. I put a bet on the Six Nations on the weekend um, with one of the big Irish bookmakers in their app, um, <laughs> Mr. Power. If you're listening, please don't come to my door. But um, at any time, try scorer um, scored before halftime, Andrew Porter. Well done for the Irish team. <laughs> um, but no reconciliation on the bet till an hour after the game, um, which obviously as an operator file just hasn't happened. Something's gone wrong on the trading side, which is fine. Um, but such a missed opportunity then for me to then potentially put a bet on the next game, which is the Scotland game that, that comes after it. Customer service experience was great. You ping straight into their app. They go, oh, yeah, we've seen that. Sorry, it was just an error. It's in your account now. Um, the ability for a brand then to understand that that player that's betting and deliver something in situ to me the next time I'm in the app because of that experience, um, that's just a that's a data story being put together with behavior within the app and then making it hyper-personalized. Like that, that to me, as someone sitting and working in that space is going, the next time I'm in that app, if I get a pop-up that says, hey, we saw the thing with the Six Nations, here's a here's something for the next one, or here's the next best bet for you to put on, we reckon this will win, or whatever it might be. It could be any piece of content, um, but just that acknowledgement. And I think exactly. I think brands are getting close, yeah. No, 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 and, then, and, and, and that's what creates these, you're telling it to me now, right? And then that's the positive story, right? I still have it like, in Spain, I live in Barcelona, right? And Uber down here is, is not allowed. When I'm in London yeah. or in New York or Miami or wherever, just being able to book a taxi and it's easy and it's high quality cars you get and everything else and it's two clicks and, and that's it, right? 
that's that's what you want to have in terms of a consumer experience yeah. and not calling a taxi company and ah we don't have any cars and we will come in whatever whatever it's um, yeah very different worlds and that, so agreed. that that relevance and and you know making sure that you're taking people's time like and people will pay for it like it's been proven like you look at you look at the brands that are making money off subscription for services that you know even 4 or 5 years ago that you'd be going there's no way that I would pay for that type of service, but because it's frictionless and because it works, people are happy to find value in that and then part with their money, um, whether it's for entertainment or not. And I, yeah, I think that's an area where the, the industry um, is getting there. Uh, I don't think it's all doom and gloom, but I think I think they're getting there, but it's taking time and they're catching up. Um, but yeah. I think there are plenty of industries that are taking time to catch up with that, with the, with the kind of digital world. So No, not for sure. Um, yeah, very interesting. Um, I'm going to switch up a little bit again. Um, what are you What are you looking at, um, either from Shape or yourself personally, for for the kind of coming year? I guess predictions at the moment is is like you can throw any prediction out there. It's a little bit it's a little bit crazy um, to to predict anything further ahead than a couple of months. But who do you see as the big the, or the big opportunities either within the within the within the space generally? Um, that people are going to be deliver maybe some of the products that you've seen coming down the line um, and and some of the innovations within the industry that you're expecting over the next couple of years. We've probably touched on some of it, but any specifics would be lovely. Yeah, so if you look at from a, an operator standpoint and if you focus on the US, which everyone seems to have, even though the yeah. focus seems to be shifting towards Brazil and so on, but there it's much more fragmented than US, right? It seems like especially FanDuel and BetMGM are doing really well in, in North America with DraftKings uh, being doing less well, in my opinion, both on the consumer experience as well as financially and everything else, right? Yeah. So one thing that we saw from a Shape Games Canby standpoint uh, on the Super Bowl is the the ability for the consumer to much more build their own bets via build, bet builder. And, and what I think is that I push two things as, as, as the trends of the industry. One is the personalization. The other one is the, the ability to give consumers flexibility, right? That they can more yeah. tailor their, <clears throat> their skews, right? What, in the end, the markets that are available uh, are, are like the products that are for sale in a retail world when you took the T-shirt as an example, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and where you might have 50,000 opportunities to buy things in a sports book today, I think that will exponentially grow because it will almost become indefinite because the consumer can bundle up bets and do things and everything else in so many ways in the coming uh, 12 to 24 months that, that we don't see today and that we haven't seen before. And, and that is exciting to me because giving the power to the consumer, both in terms of what they want to spend their money on and, and even more so how the experience should be, needs to be much more uh, laid out. I also think there's convergence happening. So in the industry, we yeah. always talked about in an app or whatever, there's sports betting, there's iGaming or casino, whichever we call it, and there's different tabs and everything else and so on, right? That's like to me an archaic way of looking at the world, right? If if I'm if I'm in a state in the US or if I'm in a market in Europe, I like to play blackjack and bet on the Premier League. That's what needs yeah. to be on the home screen when I get to the product, not that I need to click in two tabs and whatever, and I should be doing it in screen. I should be able to play blackjack whilst I'm watching uh, streaming yeah. and all these type of things. So 
I think those are the are the the ways of of the the industry, and and the winners are the ones that will take more market share, are the ones that uh, has the ability to deliver that uh, technical solution that enables uh, both the personalization and flexibility for the consumer uh, overall. And and we are seeing some of that. FanDuel's consumer experience is significantly better than many of the others in the, in the marketplace. And the only way for the smaller guys to compete is to join a, a network with other uh, operators via B2B provider like uh, like we provide and others in the marketplace to ensure yep. that they have a competitive product that can can go out and and compete with the guys who has of course on a nominal uh, and percentage wise much more money to invest into product than than they would have themselves so yeah and i think we'll find there'll be a um particularly in the US market as as the early adopters get chased by the the next phase of brands that come into there there'll be a good opportunity for for niche guys to come in and secure market share by offering something that is a little bit different but really plays to certain strengths i think that's a really good area um, that i'd be looking at too um just in the idea of you know you're getting a better unique experience on something that you want as as your personal one like you've used there if you're in the us but you only follow european football um you're probably not going to want to be inundated by the NFL like DraftKings will be pushing to you. So um, exactly. I think that's that's a, that's an interesting one. And being able to do that hyper-personalization, it all comes back to data, obviously. So Indeed, yes. um, we'll, we'll get back to that. But um, yeah, some great tips there. Um, we're kind of coming towards the end of this now. Um, it's been really good talking to you, Morton. Um, I think there's so much more that we could go down. Um, and we could probably talk for a couple of hours on the podcast. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe some closing thoughts on uh, Shape Games um, and what's what's in the what's in store for you guys as a team um, as you head into the year um, might be a good way to kind of finish this one up. Sure. So we are looking at um, <clears throat> we're lucky that uh, we tend to not have that much competition because not that many has succeeded in productizing the app side of the business. So overall, we see still very strong demand. Uh, we feel we are on a still have a lead on on product. That the, the the acquisition of Cambi has enabled us to to now be able to do even more on the innovation side. So yep. we have a few gaps towards the the functionality that Cambi offers in their web product. So we are catching up on that. But we have a number of things for these reasons that Cambi's web product doesn't have. So over on balance, we are still. Um, both ahead of the the Cambi web product, but uh, also ahead in the marketplace in general. And now we're looking at um, at putting even more and interesting uh, product features uh, to market over the over the coming months and bringing hopefully and as we see that we've signed a few of them, even more more clients uh, to market. And we keep growing the team, which uh, gives more opportunities for people internally yeah. and, and and everything. So. So we're lucky, even in a in a in an uncertain uh, world as it is right now, we we seem to have a a very strong trajectory, which which is which is exciting to be part of. And then of course the the integration of uh, us into Cambi, we're still independent in its nature, but we are of course very core part of Cambi's offering uh, yeah. now and in the future. So so we keep uh, coming closer and closer together, and uh, and which will enable us to hopefully push out many more product innovations over and above what we have done historically when we work close together between the sportsbook and the front end, even more so than we've done in the past. 
So overall, we have uh, exciting opportunities coming up uh, for us. Uh, excellent and exciting opportunity for anyone that partners um, with Shape Games, and I'm sure um, you'd be very open to any contact for anyone that's coming to through the podcast after listening today. Uh, oh, Morton, always. been ex- been excellent having you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us on Experts in the Room. Um, really good show, uh, and I hope everyone enjoys listening to it as much as I did listening today. Thanks, Will.